Good morning, Urban Village Church. My name is Emily McGinley. You can talk about me using the pronouns she, her, and hers. I serve as the executive pastor. Last spring, I shared this meme. As a global pandemic descended upon us all, our best laid plans for 2020 were quickly thrown out to meet the constraints of quarantine and sheltering in place. Those who were able to shifted their workspaces uh, to their living room couches and dining room tables. Parents hastily arranged spaces for their children to attend school remotely. Home ec lessons were dusted off as people uh, learned to make masks or purchase them. And of course, hand sanitizer and toilet paper became the surprise number one bestsellers on the marketplace. But as the timelines lengthened and the gravity of circumstances set in, long curated wedding plans were altered. Vacation and family reunions were canceled. Funerals were dramatically reconfigured and anxiety, depression, and loneliness intensified. The mad scramble had started to shift into a dull grief. The lack of coordination around testing and care resulted in tragic losses, increased frustration, and further eroded what confidence remained in our political leadership. Reports of murder hornets had us starting to think that maybe we were in a year of biblical retribution. And we wondered, what next? Which, of course, is a question that we've all, I think, agreed not to ask anymore. Because when then came Ahmaud Arbery's death, murder, and then Breonna Taylor's murder in March by police became more well-known, followed by Tony McDade and then, of course, George Floyd. It all started to cascade, and the endless injustices of black death by white hands strained and snapped the elasticity of people's willingness to try and cope in the midst of all of this. As long-standing and festering frustrations took shape in marches and demonstrations, some of us began to wonder, can it get any worse? To which it turns out, the answer is yes. A systematic defunding of our postal service in politically key cities and states like our, 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 like our own, news of hastily determined remote starts to the school year, followed by reports of fire tornadoes in California, <laughs> not to mention the more personal losses that many of us and have endured during this time, have led me to revise my initial meme to something a little bit more accurate, at least for now, right? We've still got a few months left in the year. And so I think it's fair to say these times have most of us throwing up our hands and exclaiming, what God? And if that's where you are or where you have been at some point in the last six months uh, or in your life ever, then you may find some satisfaction in knowing that you are not alone in this question, actually, not only among us uh, who are gathered here today in worship, but stretching back across generations and centuries, wrapping halfway around the world and more in the company of a man named Job who lived in a land called Utz. Job is the quintessential good guy, an anchor to his community, a credit to his faith, and an exemplar to all who knew him. He had all the things that one could ever need for a fulfilling and happy life. Deep faith, loving family, financial success, and lots of friends. And in a weird sort of bet between God and God's counsel called the adversary or Satan, uh, which is not what most of us imagine when we think about Satan in this story and most of scripture, the idea of Satan less, is less about a being um, who embodies evil than it is about an angel who asks uncomfortable questions and raises inconvenient doubts. It isn't until much, much later that our modern ideas of Satan um, as evil start to show up. 
So anyway, this adversary challenges God to test the tensile, the stretch and the strength of Job's faith. And the blessings that Job enjoyed all are quite dramatically stripped away. First his wealth, then his family, and finally his health. And at first, Job responds in the predictably faithy ways, right? He says, the Lord has given and the Lord has taken. Bless the Lord's name. But then what follows is a sort of slow bloodletting of the spirit. And not by God or the adversary or any other divine being, actually. One by one, Job's friends find new and creative ways to tell him that all of this is his own fault. He wasn't faithful enough. He has some kind of sin that he's hiding or he's unwittingly engaged in. Dig it out, they command. They insult him in as many ways as they can think of and find every possible reason to defend God and make it Job's fault. But Job is admirably confident. He wholeheartedly rejects their assertions and accusations. Don't come for me, he says. I've got rolls of receipts and a laundry list of all the things that you have done wrong in your life. And so somehow, in spite of all the ways that he is getting thrown under the bus by both God and his friends, Job manages to maintain his dignity and his faith. Over time, and interspersed between his friends' benevolent and self-righteous accusations, Job's response evolves from, I wish I were never born, to God has it out me, to, for me, to what the God, and possibly also what the actual God, <laughs> And maybe at this point, we're wondering, like, what kind of Bible story is this anyway, right? Well, the story of Job reads a little like a play, but it actually falls in the category of what's called wisdom literature in the Hebrew Bible, along with the books of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Songs. And true to their categorical name, the reason why these exist in the tradition is to help us think about how do we respond to the world around us as wisely and as faithfully as we can. Sometimes wisdom literature reads like a list of do's and don'ts, like what you read in the book of Proverbs. But other times, it is an exploration into the questions that well up in our hearts that cause us anxiety or simply confuse us. One of the questions that is being explored in Job and for us today is this. Why do bad things happen to seemingly good people? What does it mean to proclaim faith and live faithfully in times like these? What do we do with our anger, our grief, our disappointments, and seemingly endless dead ends every time we try something new? Pandemic or not, we've all had a moment when we've thrown up our hands in exasperation to join our voices in, with Job in asking, what the f And this question, in spite of its decidedly not church-appropriate four-letter word, is quite possibly the most faithful question we could ask in times when it feels like an injustice has been done to us, particularly by God. Job knows, is convinced to the deepest depths of his being that he does not deserve this. And he demands a hearing. He wants a chance to make his case and prove his innocence to God. And I have to be honest, I find his level of self-confidence and self-love to be really impressive. He refuses to believe the messages of self-doubt, shame, and diminishment, not to mention gaslighting, that his friends heap onto him. He knew where he stood in relationship to his faith and his God and was not going to entertain any level of theological gymnastics and accusations from his friends that they were trying to throw his way. 
And so here we see in Job what so many have struggled to obtain for themselves, the dismantling of internalized oppressions manifested by the messages spoken and acted, reinforced by systems and societies around us. To be fair to us, though, Job had a whole lifetime of privilege before he got to this place, so he has a pretty good foundation to draw from that self-love. When you know deep down that you are not what those messages around you say you are, there's something instinctive, almost primal, that stands up and pushes back, that bears witness to a counter-narrative against the dominant one. In a world of white, misogynistic, cis-hetero supremacy, narratives like Black is Beautiful, Black Lives Matter, Black Girl Magic, and Black Boy Joy are just some of the ways that our Black siblings have countered dominant narratives and claimed self-love and value. Pride is proclaimed in the face of overwhelming shame that is heaped onto our LGBTQIA siblings. Girls Run the World reimagines the patriarchy and misogyny that shape our institutional structures and our imaginations about leadership. Si Se Puede reminds Latine activists and organizers that they could demand more for their labor during the United Farm Workers Movement. Hashtag campaigns like disabled and cute challenges narratives of disability as something that is unattractive or not your Asian sidekick asserts the leadership capacity of Asian Americans in a culture that can't imagine Asians as anything other than propping up someone else's efforts. In his self-love and self-confidence alone, we have so much to learn from Job. But even if we're not quite as confident as him, there is still something within us that even when, it if, when or if it is whittled away to nearly nothing, there is still a small seed of dignity, hoping, seeking to be watered. A tiny conviction that because we're here, God is here. And that because God made us, God wants us. And this, in its own way, is faith displayed in full bloom through Job. It takes faith, an abiding faith, to know the character and promises of God. It takes a bold faith to expect God to be true to those promises. It takes a fierce and tenacious faith to demand accountability from God, even in the face of folk like Job's friends who are willing to bend over backward to justify evil acts in God's name. They are willing to sacrifice grace and love and community and friendship and the promise of wholeness of life for all as so long as it makes sense and it fits together as if there is anything reassuring about all the terrible and nasty things of the world fitting into each other. If that is faith, you can have it. By chapter 38, both sides have made their arguments, staked their claims and rested their cases confident that they have been convincing in their presentation. And so none of them are ready when God shows up. Like Claire Huxtable, ready to interrogate Vanessa about her big fun with the wretched, God comes thundering in, ready to see their inquiries and raise them omnipotence. Who is this darkening counsel with words lacking knowledge? God asks. Prepare yourself like a man. I will interrogate you and you will respond to me. You got questions for me? I got questions for you. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Tell me if you know. Who set its measurements? Surely you know. 
in your lifetime? Have you commanded the morning and informed the dawn of its place? Have you gone to the sea's sources and walked in the chamber of the deep? Have death's gates been revealed to you? Can you see the gates of deep darkness? Tell me now. Has the reign of Father who brought forth drops of dew? Also, from whose belly does ice come? And who gave birth to heaven's frost? Can you issue an order to the clouds so their abundant waters cover you? Can you send lightning so that it goes and, sa and then says to you, I'm here? Who put wisdom in remote places? Or who gave understanding to a rooster? Who provides food for the raven when its young cry to God? Do you know when a mountain goat gives birth? Will the wild ox agree to be your slave or spend its night in your crib? Did you give strength to the horse, horse clothe its neck with a mane? Will the one who disputes the Almighty correct him? God's instructor must answer him. And at this point, Job is like, no, I'm good. <laughs> but God isn't done. Would you question my justice? Deem me guilty so you can be innocent? Can you draw out Leviathan with a hook, restrain its tongue with a rope? Can you put a cord through its nose, pierce its jaw with a barb? Will he beg you at length or speak gentle words to you? Can you play with him like a bird? Put a leash on him for your girls to play with. And at this point, God is playing with him, but decides to keep going, presumably for gits and shiggles, right? And so when God feels satisfied that Job has been put in his place, God then turns to Job's friends, who probably up to this point were standing there like, yep, yep, feeling very vindicated. God turns to them and basically says, y'all were even more wrong than Job. You better hope he prays for you because that's the only way I'm about to spare your behind. It's a word whooping like the universe has never seen. And you know the stars and the goats and even the Leviathan were watching this like, ooh. In the end, God does not give Job his day in court, but God does give him the satisfaction of knowing that even though he was acting a little too grown for his age, it was the faithful thing to ask God to do right by him. It was the faith faithful thing to ask God, even if you better watch your mouth, right? <laughs> but Job's friends, they were willing to not only kick Job down when kick Job when he was down, but also drag God's good name and reputation through the mud in order to preserve their fragile faith and their faulty theologies. Job got it less wrong than his friends, but he still got it wrong because they all embraced a limited understanding of who they were, not only in relationship to God, but also in relationship to one another. Job believed he deserved a response, and he is furious that he's not getting one, but he actually is. He's getting the response of his cynical, self-righteous, and ultimately faithless friends. And so in the wisdom literature of Job, what seemed to be the initial question of exploration, why do bad things happen to good people, doesn't really get answered. Instead, it ends up shifting into something slightly different. Turns out the more important question that we're confronted with is this, how should we respond when bad things happen to good or really any kind of people? What kind of person will you be in the face of chaos and confusion? What kind of community will we choose to be when tragedy and calamity strike?
God is much less interested in explaining the universe to Job or anyone. What God is more interested in is how we will live in that universe. While we cannot account for the chaotic, bizarre, and seeming illogical working of the world that we live in, and a God who is both known and unknowable to us, we see in God's response to Job and his friends that the most faithful response is the most honest one. A response that really believes in God's promises. But that's not the end of it. We cannot and should not ignore or overlook our participation in God's promises, our agency in this chaotic, bizarre, and seeming illogical world. We cannot end a virus, but we can make commitments and take on practices that slow its spread and minimize its impact on those most vulnerable among us. We can't stop the possibility of fire tornadoes, but we can take our call to creation care more seriously. We can't erase hundreds of years of white supremacy and police brutality, but we can imagine what it looks like to seek justice and pursue a restorative peace in new ways. We can't gather in person for worship and experience connection and community like we used to, but we can choose to be part of a small group or a happy hour gathering to find ways to encourage each other and connect meaningfully as a people of faith. We can participate in a service of hope and lament, sharing and listening to testimony, sitting with each other in the midst of the difficult and sorrowful time that we are in right now. The community played a significant role in furthering Job's suffering, but it didn't have to be that way. They could have created space for Job to shake his fist and ask, what the f God, and loved him in the midst of that, instead of blaming him for his own circumstances. They could have stood with him and rallied to bring about wholeness and restoration as best that they could within the circumstances that he was facing. Now, at the end of the story, we're told that Job gets back double the material possessions that he had before. He even gets a new family with even more beautiful daughters, the author <laughs> happens to mention. But he doesn't get his dead kids back. And his memory is not erased. Job carries grief, but the community can carry it with him. They can carry it together. And so can we. Let's pray. God, we thank you that even in the midst of times when we want to shake our fist at you and ask you, what the f that you are with us, and that not only are you with us, that you invite us to be with each other. And so I ask that even in the midst of maybe what can feel like isolation and loneliness and disconnection, that you would help us to show up with and for one another. Help us to feel that others are showing up with and for us and bind us together in the ways that only your spirit can so that we might be able to continue to be your beloved community even as we are socially distant from one another. We pray all of this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. At this point in our service, we're gonna have an opportunity to practice being in community one another as we shift from this um, pre-recorded online format to 
Zoom um, in a more interactive online format. And um, together, uh, we'll have um, time for reflection together, um, as well as breakout discussion in your preferred UVC site. So if you are part of a site, you can join that site. If you're, if you're newer to UVC and, and don't really have a site, then it's up to you. You can decide which room you want to be a part of. Um, and so uh, the, the Zoom link um, should be posted in the um, uh, comments right now, but it'll also be projected on a screen in just a minute. Um, together, we'll reflect on three questions. First, can you describe a time when you have, have wondered what God? How did you experience or not experience communal support during that time? Secondly, um, have you been needing or offering communal support over the last six months to those who might have been struggling? And then thirdly, what do you think about the idea of asking what God um, as a form of faithfully connecting with God? Um, does that feel comfortable or strange or uncomfortable, uh, blasphemous? Um, what do you think of, uh, of that? And what do you think of God's response to Job? Um, does it feel sufficient? Does it um, really get at uh, what you think uh, matters or uh, is where Job, what Job needed from God at that time? So we'll have an opportunity to reflect together um, and I hope that you'll make that switch. Um, but God bless you um, as you move into um, a more intentional way of being community with and for one another. And as you faithfully ask your questions of God and demand um, a response to God's promises, even if um, at times God is not interested in your questions, but has a bigger question to ask you.